Um, Matthew 10, please. Matthew chapter 10. This morning's title is Little Things Matter. Little Things Matter. Um, Glenn said he prayed this week, sought the Lord about what to bring around the table, and he spoke on, on the cup. Well, I want to tell you this morning, on Wednesday evening, driving to the prayer meeting, I was talking to the Lord in the car. Who talks to the Lord in the car? A lot of us do. I talk to him everywhere. I talk to him in the shower and in the car. I talk to him everywhere. I'm just going to remove this here because I can't see some of you that are way down over there. I'll move it over to here for the moment. Well, I was coming down on Wednesday evening and the Lord said to me, a cup of cold water. That was it. A cup of cold water. Uh, let's read from Matthew chapter 10, please, and from verse 40. The Lord Jesus said, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Let's pray. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, again we thank you for the number you've brought here this morning. We think of those who can't be with us for one reason or another. We think of those who are ill this morning. We ask you, Lord, that you bless those families, Lord, who are missing, and we ask you, Lord, to encourage them. Uh, Lord, we just ask you now that you would, Lord, set your, your heart and mind with us in this place, that you would use this man for the glory of Christ. And, Lord, that you would help me, Lord, to... Uh, bring something forth out of uh, this well that, Lord, others may drink a cup of cold water. At least, Lord, that, if not more. Father, we pray that you would bless your people and that you would glorify your Son in everything that's done this morning. And, Father, even as we have sung around the table, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no part of wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Lord, there's nothing in us to boast of. But, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are within us. By your Spirit, you live in us, and you move in us. And we thank you this morning, Lord. We are sealed until the day of redemption and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Glorify your Son this morning. Glorify thine own worthy and precious name. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. The little things matter. I was going to call it a cup of cold water. But Glenn and I honestly did not uh, look at each other's notes on things or talk about these things. So when he said this this morning, I said, yes, Lord, uh, thank you for uh, just confirming the word this morning. And I guess it will be confirmation of what Glenn had sought for uh, during the week. In our reading, and especially in this chapter, the Lord 
coming up to our reading, he is telling people that, and it, it seems tough, it seems hard to take up their own cross and to follow him. Now, this isn't a cross where you pay your debt for your salvation. Uh, the difference between Christ's cross and his death on the cross and uh, your cross, taking up your cross, is completely different. One is for salvation and one is for sanctification. Uh, Christ's death was for our salvation and our cross is for our sanctified life, a, a continual reforming before God, walking before God, continually uh, carrying our cross. You know, it, it is believed and said that in the time when uh, criminals were being tried, that the Romans would have had crosses already made placed outside, if you want, the courthouse door or where they were tried and on the way out uh, found guilty, they would lift their cross and take it with them. And this is the idea the Lord Jesus takes this and he says, for you who are mine, who are my people, take your cross for sanctification. In other words, it's to show an inward work that's being done on you, that you're dying to self, as it were, and living on the God. Then he comes into this uh, a little strange portion of scripture and he says in verse 40, He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Uh, and what he's saying is if, if you're out ministering and someone receives you, they're receiving Christ to hear of the gospel, to hear of the word of God. And if they don't receive you, then they've rejected him. And if they receive you, and if they receive Christ, then they've received the Father. Him that sent me, he says. And hence, uh, there's more to this as we go down. He mentions the prophet in verse 41. You know, if you were to receive a, a prophet in the name of a prophet, or because they are a prophet, or a preacher it could be even, you know, you'll have a, or receive a prophet's reward. And if you receive a righteous man, someone who's, living their life before God, uh, doing their best before God, and walking with the Lord, then you'll receive a righteous man's reward. But then he comes to verse 42. They're all about receiving, receiving, receiving. And then it comes to verse 42. Whosoever shall give. It's about you and I in our sanctified state and life, giving. Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, even if they're just an ordinary Christian. Uh, one trying to be disciplined before God, yes, disciple comes, we get the word discipline, but because they're a disciple, you see who they are, another child of God, another uh, born-again Christian. If you give them a cup of cold water, just because you know they're your brother and sister in Christ. He says then, he says, Verily I say unto you, ye shall in no wise lose, he shall no wise lose his reward. Notice, the Lord points out the little things. A cup of cold water. Who would have thought that the Lord would even use something minuscule as a simple cup of cold water. Let me, before we go any further, remind you, they just didn't go and turn on a tap. And the cold water runs out and they fill it up like we would do. They had to go to a well or they had to go to their supply. They had to 
go to the depths of a well and lift it up because it was cooler underneath the ground. And, and hence, that this cup of cold water, it did take something. It did cost something. So the cup of cold water speaks of you and I and the service of Christ in our sanctified state, in our sanctified life, costs us something. It costs us something. So the Lord points out these little things like a cup of cold water, and it tells me, and it should tell us this morning, that we're, we're not overlooked when we do the simplest, the slightest, and the smallest of things. And maybe you feel at times you're overlooked. Maybe you're overlooked by the oversight. <laughs> you're overlooked by the pastor. Maybe you feel overlooked by someone else or everyone else. But I want you to know that uh, while we, do, we, we are not on purpose trying to overlook you, but because we're human, we may miss you doing something. And the idea of this is that uh, those who do the simplest of things because of the saints, because of the disciple, you'll not lose a reward for it. And it might cost a little, a bit of energy even, you know. It might cost something like a bit of your strength to go do. But the smallest of things are not overlooked by God. And it tells us they're not forgotten by God, for he, he, he just mentions this little cup. They're not insignificant to God, but they matter to God. So the little things matter. And you might say, well, I do little, but I do all I can. The little things that you do matter to God. Even the, the minutest thing for his glory, for his kingdom, with the heart and motive of love of Christ, matter to God. So verse 42 mentions a cup of cold water. In the name of a prophet or the name of a righteous man, um, we have uh, the Lord speaking to us, even receiving Christ, but in the name of a disciple. Notice the idea of it here is what we do unto them, one, because he's maybe a prophet or a preacher or a righteous man, as it were. We're all righteous in Christ in that sense, but you know, one who seems to stand out in ministry and so forth, and maybe we don't feel up the scratch with this sort of people. Because many people say, Pastor, I couldn't do what you do. Well, maybe you can't, but maybe I couldn't do things that you do. Simple. I can't pray like others pray. Well, for one, God's not listening to the great oratory speech. He doesn't, he's not, a, he's interested in your heart. But nevertheless, uh, those who feel the insignificance of what they do for the kingdom may say, I can't pray like others pray. Uh, you cannot measure yourself up to other Christians. But rather, measure yourself according to the plumb line of the Word of God. Notice, God notices the little things. How would I put this across this morning? Do to that prophet, as we're mentioned here, or that uh, evangelist, or that one in the, the preacher. Sometimes the prophet can mean the preacher here. 
But do to them, not because of who they are, you do things to them like, whether it's a cup of cold water or supporting them in another way, sense, shape, or form, you do it unto them because, not because of the person, not because of the man. You do it because of the Christ you love. I appreciate, I appreciate everyone who supports us and loves me and, you know, Maybe even appreciate at times those who don't love me because it keeps you humble. But while I appreciate it, you don't do it as unto the pastor because the pastor will fail you. Do it as unto the Lord. You give as unto the Lord. And the Lord is saying here, even if it's in a prophet or an evangelist or someone who's accepting you as an ambassador, for Christ. Will you turn with me please to 2 Corinthians just for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 please. I want to show you a few verses in this this morning. The idea that the Lord is giving us here is that we are ambassadors for Christ and, and it doesn't mean you have to be the street preacher. It doesn't mean that you have to be the man on the in the pulpit or the you have to be the woman up the front or the singer on the stage or whatever but an ambassador for Christ wherever you are and whatever you do and the capacity that you can notice 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 and this is after all who are in Christ are new creatures all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, notice, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us has the ministry of reconciliation to lead people to Christ. Now take note, to it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing or counting up or adding their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Then Paul says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. This is what Jesus is speaking about in Matthew 10, verses 40 to 42. Be an ambassador for Christ wherever you are. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. And then he says, we pray you in God's stead, be ye reconciled to God for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Paul is saying, I'm an ambassador for Christ. He says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to bring sinner and the Lord together. That is, to preach the word, to bring others under the sound of the gospel into the fold that they might be saved. But notice what he says here, an ambassador. Now, an ambassador, and it's the exact same term that's, uh, uh, pardon me, example that is used in Matthew 10. It means when you go somewhere, if they receive you, they receive me. If they receive me, then they'll receive my father. So in other words, if you go out and I was talking to Kevin, I bumped into him to meet someone in Bond Bridge the other night. And I was walking through and I bumped into Kevin and they go out around the doors every week. And imagine them being at the door of someone and then, I'm sure as a few have told you to clear off, Kevin. 
and there'll be others who might bring you in. They're receiving the gospel. They're receiving Christ when you're giving them Christ. You're not preaching uh, Christ Encounters Tabernacle because that won't save you. You're not preaching this tent or this man or anyone or anything else. It, it's, it has to be about Christ. It has to be his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It doesn't matter if you were to preach the name of Ken Davidson because this man's name means nothing and this man can do nothing to save you. But preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they accept Christ, they accept the Father who sent him. So you are an ambassador wherever you are, in your workplace, in your home, society, your family. No matter where you are, you're standing for the word of God, for the law of God, for the truth of God, in the gospel of grace, for the glory of Christ. And here Paul is saying we are the ambassadors. Now an ambassador, when someone turned up as an ambassador from one country or to another, say uh, it could be an ambassador today, and they go to the embassy, and an ambassador speaks for their country. They're treated as though that president has sent them as actually there. So if you take, uh, if someone was to go from, say, uh, I don't even want to mention his name, but America, Joe Biden, and uh, and someone was to, so he sends an ambassador. Well, that person in that country is treated as though Joe Biden is there himself. Or who it may be for, from whatever country. They are, they are sent as an ambassador. So when you and I are going in the power of the gospel, we are going as if we are sent ourselves as if Christ is present. Because the Spirit of God is in you and you carry the word of God. So you're an ambassador. And either they rejected the ambassador and they rejected his plans of peace if there was going to be war and so on, or else they accept it. So then they're accepting the powers that be that sent the ambassador. Paul is using this. And Paul is saying, if they receive you, they'll receive the Lord. We're ambassadors. Jesus said it then in Matthew chapter 10. And so if someone supports an evangelist, a prophet or a preacher, uh, someone who's doing a work for God, a righteous man in that sense or woman, if someone supports people who are taking their stand for the scriptural promises and blessings of God and the laws and the commandments of God in the society and life. Supporting that is supporting the things of God. Notice this. If you were to support a disciple who's trying to serve, then it is as as though they are the evangelist. They are the prophet. They are the preacher. They are the disciple. It's as though you are they. Even though you might be able to do little, but you're supporting with a cup of cold water. And hence, if souls are saved, if the kingdom is being extended and built for the glory of Christ, if backsliders are restored again unto the Lord, 
if the running of the ministry goes well, then you receive the reward of the evangelist with him. You receive the award with her. You receive the award, the the reward. What is the reward? I don't know. But we serve because we love anyway, not for reward. But the idea of it is, is if they're out in a ministry or if they're you're in this ministry, forgive me this morning if I go a little parochial here. I want to go maybe a little parochial, and others can be parochial if they want to listen to this and, and add it to where they are and where their ministry is. But to be parochial in here, when you come in to the car park, and Wally and others are, are there guiding you in to try and get the cars parked. I think Kenny was there this morning. Forgive me for someone else. I've only seen two. But they're, they're not... Uh, they're not being belittled or demeaned in what they're doing, but it, it is a, a, a work that they're giving their heart to in order that this ministry will run. When you come to the door and your hand is shaking at the door, when you come and you see the place has been cleaned, it's not all about the stage. It's not all about the pulpit. It's not all about being the preacher or, or the singer or the musician. It's not about that. It's, it's the cup of cold water. And if someone then comes to saving faith in a meeting, oh, well, the pastor was preaching as if the pastor did it. No, Christ saves, not the pastor. But if the pastor is preaching and someone gets saved, you're part of that. Even if it's the car park. The washing of the toilets. The pouring of the tea. The shaking of a hand. The cleaning of the church. And listen, there's people in here. We know we're only using this like on a Sunday. We go to the polytunnel during the weekend and have our prayer meetings there and we're having great times in the presence of the Lord. But, but being parochial here for a moment, there's people here almost on a, a, a daily, if not an other daily basis, organizing, always working, even filling the diesel up that you might have heat in the cold days. And and this cup of cold water that they're giving, it doesn't matter if if someone comes up and and they get, uh, as a string of people get saved. There's, uh, I know I'm not speaking out of school because she told us publicly, Amanda, a few weeks ago was standing praising the Lord as we sang closing the meeting and the Lord healed her she couldn't lift her arm and she had had a, a bad accident the Lord healed her and she was praising the Lord it's nothing to do with, with me or us but it's working together it's the cup of cold water that you're giving you might even be behind the scenes and someone is struggling and a, a little word in their ear I'm praying for you I'm thinking about you a phone call just to encourage just to help, you never know what that cup of cold water does because it's supposed to refresh. It's to refresh. The little things matter to God. Now, notice it's a cup of cold water. It's not a cup of lukewarm water. Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. And you might say, How do you know he doesn't like lukewarm? Well, in Revelation chapter 3, speaking to the Laodicean church, he says, I would that thou wert either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, 
I will spew you out of my mouth. And, and, and the idea is, the church age, which is this age, the last age before his return, the Laodicean seventh church of the revelation of Jesus Christ in Revelation 3, and he says, the church of the now day is our day. It makes him want to spew, or vomit is the stronger word, because it's lukewarm. He doesn't like lukewarm. Your presence in the meeting, your faithfulness to a seat, you might think it means nothing, but your faithfulness to a seat might just be what is needed that morning or that evening to encourage another. For Listen, when there's people that uh, maybe they're, they're away or they're, they're not well and maybe we're a little bit down, some people, and it would surprise you, feel discouraged when others aren't out when they could be. And I just preach the word and I just keep going on, you know, and I'd like everyone to be out, but we just keep going on. But when they know they could be, and others are discouraged by that. And staying away discourages others. And it's not a cup of cold water, but it's like a lukewarm water that they're offering them. Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. It says he said it makes him sick. And we cannot all be prophets. We cannot all be preachers. Or even those who are in ministry on a front line. We can't all do that. And you may say, phew, I'm glad you're not asking me to. And some people actually say, when I speak to them privately, maybe meet up with them or visit, they ask me to go see them. And they would say, and there's been quite a number, so if you're hearing this, I'm not talking about you. Well, I am, but I'm talking about you and others. Sure, you won't ask me to pray and call me up in the States and get me to pray, because I was sitting tender. <laughs> I wouldn't enjoy the whole meeting. I could hear nothing. And I said, don't you worry, before I ever call anybody, unless I know them and their ability before that, I don't ask them, don't call them. That's why I was just, a certain few that I would pick until I get to know someone, are you willing to come up to pray? So not everyone can be from Matthew chapter 10. Not everyone can be the the prophet or, if you want, even the, the evangelist out in the street. We're all evangelists in the sense where we can reach out. Maybe we can't all uh, be even in some sort of ministry. But listen to this. Your little part matters. All I can do is pray. Wow, that's the best thing. I'll pray and I can pray and I'll pray all day. I've, I've, I'm not really getting out much because I'm not great, but I can pray. Please do. That is tremendous. That's spiritual warfare. And you can pull down strongholds with that. Your little cup matters. It is counted, it is noticed by the Lord. Will you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please.
When you let your eye roam down, now this is the chapter of spiritual gifts. We have to watch those of us who minister and use spiritual gifts, all of us, including myself. We have to be careful because it can come a place of pride. Look what I can do. Let your eye run down to verse 14, please. Maybe you're in church this morning and say, well, I don't have all these spiritual gifts. None of us have all these spiritual gifts. And maybe you're in this morning and you're saying, well, I can't do and I can't all the stuff and I feel little and I haven't really put my hand to the ply in Christ's ministry or anything like that. Let's look at verse 14. You might feel a lesser, the overlooked. Verse 14, for the body is not one member. You notice that? But many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? But my God hath set members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. God has you right where he wants you when you're saved. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are, they are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the, feet, the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble. Would you say more feeble? More feeble than necessary. In other words, there are people who think according to the body is the body of Christ, this mystical body. Now his resurrected body literally is risen from the dead. Bodily he's resurrected, ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father, and so on. But the mystical body of Christ are those who are the blood-bought, blood-washed, spirit-filled believers. And Paul is saying here, some of you feel like you're feeble and little, maybe even overlooked. There's not a lot I can do. I feel actually a, a, a little bit, you know, I've no even confidence in the Lord to do because it's just who you are. You feel like you, you haven't a lot to give. Brother, sister, please listen this morning. The little things matter to God. And you might feel you're feeble and others might even look at sometimes the head. You know, some heads are big, fat heads because, you know, they just think they're so full of knowledge that they, they have no humility and grace about them. The big fat head might look the wee tiny feet and say, you know what, I have no need of you. Well, then try and walk without me, says the feet. And the eye might say to the ear, I don't want to, I don't need you because I can see. But where's the hearing? Paul has given us all of this. And he's saying we all need each other. We all need to come together. 
And brothers and sisters, that's why we meet on the Sunday morning. That's why we meet on the Sunday evening. That's why we worship as one corporate body of believers. That's why we sing the praises and exalt Christ and come around the table in the morning and lift up the name of Jesus and get under the sound of the word, for we need each other. That's why you're serving in the car park and at the door or at the the crash or or with the children or in the youth or wherever God has placed you. That's why even when you're at your weakest, you're praying for the saints. You're praying for the ministry. You're praying for souls. You're praying for the lost. You're praying for our nation. And whether you're taking a stand against the the more harder, deeper things like abortion or against same-sex marriage or any of those things, whatever it may be, you can do something for the kingdom. And God says you might even feel like you are feeble, you are small, and you have nothing much to give, but he says you count. You need us. And we need you. You need us and we need you. We need each other. A cup of cold water. Well, you can read on down that chapter. There's times flying and I want to move on. Gordon, I got one. No, I'm holding it up. Look, you see it? You sleeping? <laughs> you sleeping? Do I have to go back to the start and do that all over again? Thank you. I tell you, when I'm warm and I'm dry, and I look there and there's no water, and my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth, and my cheeks are closing together, I can tell you there's nothing like getting, well, it's not that cold, but it's as cold as we can make it in here. Puritan Richard Baxter. Listen to this little quote. There is little we touch, but we leave the print of our fingers behind. There is little we touch, but we leave the print of our fingers behind. That might seem simple, but I can tell you, It's profound. Imagine this man 500 years ago or so recognizing the fingerprint. You see, the fingerprints are unique to you and to me. Not even identical twins, not even identical twins have the same fingerprints. Your fingerprints stay the same from birth until death. Imagine a little baby in the womb. Wee baby's here, the wee baby's here. Imagine that little baby in the womb. There's little fingerprints and God knows the very prints on the end of its fingers. Sweat And natural body oils come to the tips of the fingers and that's how we leave our special mark, the prints of our fingers. 
they leave an impression on every single surface we touch and come in contact with. Your fingerprints, as you have come in here, are all over this place. The chairs, someone's, someone's maybe coat you've, or jacket, or you've touched them. The door handles, the glass on the door, the sound here. Fingerprints all over. Jillian on the laptop trying to get everything up for us. Her fingerprints are everywhere this morning, are not. And you and I leave it. Listen, and that's how, uh, obviously, how uh, a lot of criminals are, are, are caught because of their fingerprints. But fingerprints also leave your own specific DNA. Your DNA. So where and on what would we find your fingerprints this morning, this week? You've left fingerprints in places where you've been and you never even think about it. None of us have. Maybe you your fingerprints have been found on a cup of cold water. Just the little things you've done for the love of Christ and the kingdom of God. Some people's fingerprints are found on the cup. I wonder what Christ's fingerprints were like. I wonder what DNA he left on that. I think of these things all the time. What was the expressions in his face like? Maybe a gleam or a glint of an eye sometimes. What was, what did he touch and everything he touched? I'd love to have a piece of glass with his fingerprints on it. And yet, it's not only fingerprints, but he went all the way to the cross and laid himself on it. Some fingerprints are on a cup, a little thing, and some fingerprints are on a dagger, a sword of, of the spirit or on the sword of an enemy. Isn't it great to know that as 1 Corinthians 1, verses 27 to 29, Paul says, that the Lord chooses the foolish and the weak and the base and the despised things. And he uses them and their fingerprints and cups of cold water to further his kingdom, to glorify his name, that no flesh would glory in his presence. Matthew 10, please, just for a few moments Matthew 10 and verse 42 the Lord Jesus said and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones you underline that because these small things matter 
He notices the cup. These small things matter. These little ones. Like many of us who have been saved, some of us have been saved from a young age and they have been gloriously kept from the world and praise God for that. What a testimony of God's keeping power in your life. A saving grace, but is keeping power. What a testimony. That's fantastic. Then you have others like me, a wretch. I'll talk about that in a moment. These little ones, a cup of cold water with these little ones. Notice, they were little in the estimation of the world. And even in their own estimation, the feeble or the foolish and the weak, the base, the despised, those who people would disregard and and get rid of and God could never, would never use someone like you after the life you've had and yet they go and preach grace and the blood of Christ for forgiveness of sins. Brothers and sisters, Christ came into the guttermost and he saves us to the uttermost. To the uttermost. The very last jot and tittle is finished in the word. Christ will keep us. These little ones, maybe they could be the young convert or an old Christian, older Christian, maybe. But look, these little ones, maybe they were some of those things that we have spoken of and they have struggled. Maybe they've fallen. Maybe they've drastically fallen. Uh, And many Christians would say, you know, oh, they're no good, get rid of them. You can never use them because they've fell. Can I remind ourselves? I don't say this in condemnation to anyone. I said ourselves counting me. Every single one of us here feel the Lord. And every single one of us are sinners saved by his sovereign grace who are saved. You might say, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Give them a cup of cold water. Give them a cup of cold water. Refresh them. Bless them. Help them. Encourage them. Come alongside of them. Walk with them till they have strength again to walk. Don't disregard them. and Don't have your fingerprints all over the dagger. Help them. I need grace every day. Me. I need the blood of Christ every single second. And as the hymn writer said, I need thee every hour. Coming to a close, thank you for listening. Listen to my pastor, James McConnell. Listen to this. When God is moving in your heart, There is no such thing as sacrifice. When God is moving in your heart, there is no such thing as sacrifice. 
And what he is meaning is if we are in tune and the, the Lord is moving by his spirit in our lives and there's nothing too great for us, nothing too little for us, nothing insignificant that, ah, well, I'm, that's beneath me. Listen, sometimes it's beneath some Christians to go and scrub the toilet. Pastor, have you scrubbed the toilets? Many times. In fact, Laverne has a photograph of me in the toilets with my Murray goes on. They caught me on. They called me and I came out of the toilet like that, wondering who was calling me and I had my Murray goes on. Lord, when God's moving in your heart, why scrubbing a toilet, stand in a car park or whatever you're doing? To up here. There's a greater responsibility when you stand behind this sacred desk. You know that? And after the week that's went on in Britain, the United Kingdom, I wouldn't like to be the Church of England. Let me finish. In Mark chapter 10, Peter says to the Lord in verse 28, it says, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. Lo, we have left all and followed thee. I haven't time to read if you want to read from verses even 28 to 31 when you go home or when you get a chance. But in verse 28, he says, it says, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. I was thinking about this yesterday afternoon. And I was outraged at Peter. But then I thought, sometimes we can get like that. Entitled. As if we're entitled before God. So here's what I've done. Forgive me for being, again, parochial, but personal. Personal. I remembered when we, Alison and I wrote our book, I actually said something about this verse in it. Um, I don't have copies of the book. I'm not trying to sell it before anybody comes and says, oh, he's plugging his book. I don't have any copies of it to sell. So anybody online, I'm not trying to sell a book. But I had actually a copy, uh, which it was actually Jody's copy, and Ellie has a copy, um, but it was in my study for some reason and among all my books, maybe from when we moved house last year. And I pulled it down, and I looked up this, and I've written it. This is what I've written. And it's in Mark 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And I quote myself. Imagine the audacity and the vanity and the ignorance of someone like me saying that to Jesus. As Peter just said, we have left all. What an insult it must be to the generous, giving, gracious God of heaven. He who left glory to come to the sin-cursed earth. 
He who came from the worship and adoration of the angels to be taunted, mocked, scorned, beaten and crucified by man. He who is the Almighty humbled himself to be clothed in flesh and to be taken by the feeble and by the frail hands of sinful men whose breath is in their nostrils. He who is the fountain of life and the life of all living things gave up his life for a vile wretch like me. Need I say any more? And we complain by reminding him we have left all. Oh, forgive us, Lord. How can we place any worldly goods against the sacrifice of your life? I never usually quote myself, but I thought I would finish with that. The little things matter to God. The shaking of hand, the person in the seat, the faithfulness before him to the house, to the meetings of God, these all matter. And some of us think, Lord, but sure, we have given all of this. We've done all of this. And really, the audacity, the vanity, and the ignorance of our hearts at times to think that we are due anything from him. Give someone a cup of cold water for the Lord. Looks at the small things. Remember the widow's two mates? She didn't give from abundance, but she gave all she had. Judges 15, Samson slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Remember the wee boy with the five body loaves and the two small fish? John 6. Remember the sparrow that falls to the ground. He knows everything about it. The hairs on your head are numbered and Job says he counts our steps. The little things matter, brothers and sisters. And in Psalm 56 and 8, he knows your path. He bottles your tears and he writes it all in a book. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? The psalmist says. And the first step as a young child to whether you're nine or ninety, he's counted every single one. He knows every fingerprint of yours where it's been left behind whether it's for the good or the bad or for the ministry or for whatever else. And if it's to support the work, if it's to be faithful in service, if it's to be a turn up, turn up, turn up. Your fingerprints are all over it. And he says you will not lose your reward for it. That person that you've come alongside and nobody knows about it and you've encouraged them, that person who you've seen struggling and you've helped them, even financially. I don't preach money. You know I don't preach money. And I won't preach money. But whatever it may be, and maybe it is that that someone needs, it's a 
cup of cold water. Thank God, as Glenn said this morning, we're not getting the cup of wrath. As Christ has died for us. Tammy, to come up, please.